Hi there, I'm Janet Quinlan, and this is Finding Joy in Motherhood, the podcast for women who are looking for practical tools and words of encouragement to create an orderly, joyful, faith and virtue-driven home. I'll share tips to create mindset shifts that change the way you discipline your children, love your husband, and enjoy your day. This podcast is about coaching women to be the best woman God is calling her to be. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to episode 101, What is Your Greatest Fear? The official definition of fear is that it's a human emotion that's triggered by a perceived threat. It is a basic survival mechanism that signals our bodies to respond to danger with a fight or flight response. So back in the day, we really needed that trigger to respond to danger, to wild animals wanting to eat us, or maybe to terrain that was difficult or could harm us. We needed that fight or flight response. And it's true, there is a physical fear that keeps us safe. Nowadays, it might be seeing fire or a sharp drop on a hiking trail. We know not to go near something because that fear tells us this might not be safe. But I'm not talking about a physical fear in this episode. Because most of us don't encounter physical fear day in and day out. But we do encounter emotional fear. And so I want to go to that definition again. Fear is an emotion that is triggered by a perceived threat. Okay, so it's an unpleasant feeling triggered by the perception of danger, real or imagined. And many of us have fear almost every day in one form or another. Fear holds us back from all we want and all we can be. There's an acronym, F-E-A-R, stands for False Evidence Appearing Real Fear. False Evidence Appearing Real. And that's a true definition for the fear that most of us have. False Evidence Appearing Real. We have fears that our marriage might not survive. We have fears around money, that we won't make enough or that we might go bankrupt. We have fears around our children, that either they won't have friends or that we can't parent them or that when they're older, they'll leave the faith or take on values and morals that aren't ours. We have fears that we don't know how to do something. We have fears of starting a podcast or applying for a new job. Fears that we won't make friends or keep friends. Fears of dying, of getting sick, or maybe of trying new things, or maybe of being rejected or simply found out. Worried, fearful of what other people will think of us if they knew the true us. And many of us have a fear of practicing our faith for fear of being judged. There's a book out called Do It Scared. It's by Ruth Sukup. It came out a couple of years ago, and I want to go through the seven different fear archetypes that she outlines. See if you can identify with any of these. The first is the procrastinator. These are people who are afraid of making mistakes. They procrastinate because they're afraid that if something isn't perfect, they'll be judged not perfect or not enough. 
The second archetype is the rule follower. These people are afraid of not doing things the way they're supposed to be done. Then there's the people pleaser. And that's for people who fear what other people will think. That what you say or do will be judged harshly. And that people won't like you or you'll let people down. The fourth archetype is the outcast. This is when you're most afraid of rejection. Often these people reject others before there's a chance of being rejected. People cannot be trusted. But this fear prevents you from actually being truly intimate with people. It alienates you. Then there's the self-doubter. When you're afraid you're not enough or worrying too much about making a mistake. The sixth archetype is the excuse maker. And this is when you're most afraid of taking responsibility. And the last fear archetype is the pessimist, when you're afraid most of adversity. So you might find that you have one archetype or you're a combination of a few archetypes. It's important to know, though, which archetype we are. Sometimes we think that the fear that we hold is truth. But maybe when I just have gone through those different archetypes, you see, oh, that's not truth. That's just a fear. Now, I want to be fair to the archetypes. Each one has tremendous gifts as well. So if you're a procrastinator, you have the fear of making mistakes, but you also produce high quality work. If you're the rule follower, you're also someone who's trustworthy and responsible. If you're a people pleaser, you're usually well-liked and you're fun to be around. If you identify with the outcast where you fear rejection, you're usually self-motivated and driven to succeed. If you're the self-doubter, you usually go above and beyond to do a good job. You're kind and you're empathetic. If you're the excuse maker, you're often a good team player and a keen observer. And if you're the pessimist, you're usually sensitive and big-hearted and you tend to be very caring and compassionate. So as you go through those fear archetypes, I just don't want you to find one and start feeling sorry for yourself because you have that fear or many of the fears. Also see that you have many of those gifts as well. Knowing who we are allows us to make the choices that serve us. If you know your fear is being a self-doubter, then you'll be more aware of that tendency and realize that when you are playing small and doubting yourself or hearing others' words as, quote, meaning you're not enough when in fact that's not what they're saying, it's just the way you're hearing it because that's the story you've told yourself and the belief you have personalized. If your fear archetype is the outcast, pay attention to all the ways you subtly or maybe not so subtly reject people. Do you not reach out to meet new people because you fear they won't like you and reject you? Do you put yourself down all the time because you'd rather show you reject yourself before others verbalize their rejections of you? Do you sabotage your marriage with doubts and distrust because you're certain your husband will eventually reject you and find someone else? So many women deal with that in their marriage. 
Emotions are always created by a thought, but it's not always a conscious thought and certainly not always a deliberate thought. Often we are choosing an emotion that doesn't serve us without even realizing it. And this is called an indulgent emotion. The most common indulgent emotions are confusion or overwhelm, guilt, emotional exhaustion, worry, boredom, and fear. There's no upside to allowing indulgent emotions. They don't serve us. They only keep us in an agitated state. So if emotions are fuel for our actions, what types of actions do you think will come from fear? It's a common indulgent emotion, which means it's a negative emotion. No positive actions will come from fear. No actions that contribute to our happiness will come from indulging the emotion of fear. Here are three ways emotions happen in our brain. The first way is you feel an emotion, a feeling, without your cognitive awareness, without thinking it. You don't know the thought causing it or the reason you are feeling this way. So you blame your circumstance. Whatever is happening in your life or whatever someone just said to you. The second way that an emotion comes up is you feel an emotion and you know the thought, the reason, but the thought is not deliberate. You may be resisting the emotion or allowing it. Number three, you feel an emotion because of a deliberate thought creating that emotion or that feeling. This could be an indulgent thought creating a negative emotion or a deliberate thought creating a wanted emotion. For some, we've become so used to an indulgent emotion like fear that we actually choose to feel the negative emotion, fear. Fear feels safe because we've experienced it or chosen it so often. This is monumentally destructive to our life. We no longer see that the fear is not real and we live in an irrational state and we completely give our control for our happiness away to that destructive, indulgent emotion of fear. With emotions, we have some options. We can resist them. You can keep saying, I'm not angry, I'm not angry, I'm not going to be angry. We can react by yelling and screaming and saying mean things to people around us. We can avoid an emotion by overeating, overdrinking, overspending, spending too much time on social media, or we can process an emotion. And the only way that we will actually be free of an emotion is if we process it. So how do we process an emotion? First, you have to allow it. Allowing is a skill that you have to learn and practice. It's not the same as reacting to an emotion, and it's not the same as resisting. It's not the same as pretending it's not there. Let's say you're feeling angry. When you allow the feeling of anger without resisting, reacting, or avoiding, you will notice it by observing it with compassion. It's called being the compassionate observer in our life. And this is what we need to be. 
sort of a out of body response. Okay. We need to look at our life as a compassionate observer rather than as a participant who isn't paying attention to what's going on. The easiest way to do this is to describe the emotion in detail. The best way is to write it down. What am I feeling? Fear. Where is it in my body? For some people, it's in the chest. For other people, it may be a different place. How do I know I am feeling it versus another emotion? Makes me agitated. Makes me anxious. Doesn't feel good. What is specific about this emotion of fear? So answer those questions for yourself when fear comes up for you. Stop, be a compassionate observer, and ask yourself, what am I feeling? Where is it in my body? How do I know I'm feeling this emotion? What is specific about it? Then instead of trying to get rid of it, breathe it in. Just be still. If you need to separate yourself from the kids for a bit, do that. Allow it by opening up your heart to it and move towards it. I know that sounds all woo-woo, but it's not. Allow it. Let it sit there. Say to yourself, oh, this is that fear again. I know it's not real. I know I'm not going to die. There's no reason why I need to feel fear right now. I have the power to breathe through it, but not let it possess me. Breathe. Pray to the Holy Spirit to release you of it. I am a firm believer in a strong faith life. I believe that God wants us to depend on him. And we only get into trouble when we stop depending on God. So let the Holy Spirit take it from you. I also think that fear, worry, guilt, all of those indulgent emotions are not from God. And so when we ask God to help us get through them, he will. But we have to ask God again. He wants us to depend on him. Did you know a feeling lasts about 90 seconds? That's it. If we don't resist, react, or avoid, it only lasts for about 90 seconds. You can handle the emotion for 90 seconds. It's just a vibration in your body. If you resist, react, or avoid the emotion, it can last for years. So just come to a place and an awareness of what you're feeling. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you feel it. Let it go and release it. Often your body may want to tighten up against it. That's okay. Just learn to release it. As soon as you can observe and describe the emotion, you will feel yourself soften. Accept it without judgment and notice. Just accept it. This skill is one of the most important you will ever learn. Release it. If you have a son who has a quick temper and someone does something and he reacts with anger, okay, that creates a whole big problem. And what we try to do is help our little guy say, look, you have to breathe through it. Don't react. Don't punch your brother back. Just sit and be calm and breathe through it. We teach it to our children, 
but we don't continue to teach it to ourselves. Continue to teach the skill of processing your negative emotions, not holding on to them, not resisting them, and not reacting to them. Once you're good at it, it can completely change your relationship with yourself and all the people you come in contact with because you won't be reactive, but rather you'll be a compassionate observer. Learn to embrace discomfort. It's only 90 seconds. Decide what you want to feel and then feel that on purpose. When you make a commitment to the emotion you want, you do not waver. You don't let your mind go to the other thoughts and feelings. If they do, come on back. Process that emotion. Fear cannot harm you. It's 90 seconds. Process it. Get into the habit and let it go. What are the feelings you want to create instead of fear? So here's the way we deal with emotions. First, be willing and allow all emotion. Embrace discomfort. Eliminate avoidance behaviors. Don't feel the need to escape. Have courage towards any of the emotion. Understand emotions are harmless. And allow, not react, not resist, and not avoid. The second component to dealing with emotions is creating the wanted and needed emotion. We do this through deliberate thought, through momentum in our actions, through practicing and rehearsing the emotions that we want, and believing and committing to the process. What are the feelings you want to create? I want to create peace, confidence, joy, trust in myself and in God. Those are the things I want to create. How about you? What do you want to create in your life instead of giving in to fear? Well, in order to know what you want to create, you have to ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? What does this feeling feel like specifically? What do I want to feel right now? And how can I practice this feeling? It's being very intentional with choosing the feelings. Okay, for all of you who say, ah, but you don't know the home I live in. You don't know my husband. You don't know how hard my children are. You don't know how nasty my mother-in-law was to me. You don't know what my friend just said to me. Those are all circumstances. And you're right. I don't know any of that about your life. But what I can tell you is that through self-coaching, I have realized that I have a choice about what I think about all those things. And so do you. And so if you want to choose a thought that's going to create the fear, you do that. But does that make you happy? No, it doesn't make us happy. We have the power to create the life we want in spite of whatever circumstance we have. It depends on how we think about it because our thoughts will generate our feelings. So if we want to look at our life and we want to think a thought that will create fear, we're going to create actions out of fear, and our result will usually be that we will find that thought to be true 
or that we've created an environment where we make that thought true. So this week I invite you to do a thought download and answer these questions at least once a day. The first part is to make your goal. What do you want in life? Where would you like to see yourself in one year, five years, ten years? What is the dream life you would like to live? And after you have that goal, decide what thought am I going to need to accomplish those goals? And if a thought that you need to accomplish those goals creates a negative emotion like fear, that's not a thought that's going to serve you. You will never reach the goals that you want when you are acting out of fear. So if it's easier for you to say, what emotion do I want to have right now? Peace. What thought are you going to need to have in order to have peace? Don't forget, your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings are the fuel for your actions and your actions determine your results. So we have to get right in on the thought feeling lines and change those to thoughts and feelings that serve us. The second part in creating the life that you want here is own your choices. How do you speak to your husband and your children? How do you interact with your friends and extended family? If you don't speak well to them, if you don't interact with peace and joy, you need to go back and look how fear is affecting you. And the last part is stop being the victim in your story. Again, your circumstances aren't causing your fear. It's your thoughts about your circumstances. And just because you think it doesn't make it true. In fact, we often have thoughts that aren't really true. They just come from this habit brain of ours because we've been thinking them for so long. So you have the option, that's good news actually, you have the option to create a new thought about your circumstance. And then your thoughts will create your feelings. If another woman were in your life, what would she think about the circumstance that is causing you fear. Would every woman feel fear? That's doubtful. And consider one more thing. If you weren't afraid, if you didn't have the fear you have, if you weren't holding on to it, what would you be doing right now? What could you be creating? How would your relationships be different? How would your life be different? How would you feel different? Do you see? Fear holds us in a negative space. Don't let it. Say no to fear. Take control of your thoughts and your actions. And the best way we do that is find our why. Your why must be bigger than your fear. If you're fearful that your husband may be unfaithful, your why can be that your children didn't sign up for divorce, that you want that intact family 20 years from now. You're going to pour yourself into that husband with your thoughts, giving him the benefit of the doubt, thinking positive thoughts about him. Process and eliminate the fear when it comes up without reacting to it so you don't create an environment where you have disconnected from him by indulging in your fear. Again, I bring up this example because many women deal with this fear. If you're afraid to try something new, 
Your why can be that you want to discover new talents or skills you have without worrying about failing. Failure is just an opportunity to learn. There's no wide sweeping judgment of you. Your why is bigger than the idea of something not working out. So this week, I really encourage you to journal about your fears. We can do it in many different ways. This time, I want you to spend five minutes on what am I afraid of? And just journal for five minutes. Write down the things that you're afraid of. And then spend some time asking yourself, doing a thought download, writing it down. What might it cost me if I hold on to this fear? I suggest that you write it down because if we keep it in our head, our habit brain, the one where we've nurtured that emotion of fear, will keep telling us reasons why we should feel that fear. And we won't be able to process it. But if we write it down and we can see it and we can think about what we're reading on paper and we can process it, that's when we can get beyond fear. That's when we can really understand what this indulgent emotion is costing me. It could be costing you everything that is wonderful and beautiful and joyful in your life. But your habit brain has got you so committed to this fear. I also want to suggest to you that when you're feeling an indulgent emotion, make sure that you're checking on your sleep, that you're eating well, that you're praying and that you're self-coaching because all of those things will help you process the negative thoughts that keep you fearful. And don't forget that in Reimagine Motherhood, my new monthly coaching membership, I'm going to teach you how to self-coach so that when fear comes up, it won't define you or keep you from all that you want in life. If you want to get on the wait list for Reimagine Motherhood, that monthly membership, you can go to findingjoyinmotherhood.com forward slash membership. Again, that's findingjoyinmotherhood.com forward slash membership. Okay, I hope you have a great week. Work on those fears. Don't let them control your life. Choose the life that brings you peace and joy and everything that you want. Take care. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends. Thank you. Have a great week.